0: Testing one, two, three. Testing three, two, one. All right, we back guys after a little pause on the podcast whilst I was up gallivanting the Daintree Rainforest. It was a dope ass festival that I went up the north for, but we are back for a doozy of an episode because in today's conversation, I'm speaking with Mr. James Newton, who is a friend and absolute powerhouse back in Melbourne. He is a serial entrepreneur, like like, we're talking absolute gun. He is a facilitator for the Peace Timeline, which is an organization that helps support people to go inwards and to love themselves unconditionally. And I've been through this process, and it is incredible, so powerful, so integral to my self discovery journey, and yeah, has played such a big role in who I am today. And he's also an incredible poet, currently creating a documentary on portrait poetry. And he actually shares one of his pieces right at the end of this episode. So stick around for that. It is epic. So he's a man of many talents, to say the least, and spanning all of the realms. And this conversation is such an inspiring one. Like, even when I re-listened to it, I was just getting so many nuggets. You know, this podcast is really for anyone that knows that there's more to life than slaving away for the man and, you know, wants to learn how to follow their intuition and to find their purpose and make their dream life a reality and how to actually actualize these things rather than just think about them. We talk about his story of growing up Asian in Australia and tying so much of his self-worth to achievement, which I can really, really resonate with, and how to navigate the dangerous territory of defining success as something Externally driven or externally given to you, which I'm sure many of us do succumb to. We talk about his story of how he went from a nineteen year old entrepreneur building two seven figure businesses, Jesus, and the triumphs and struggles there, what that taught him, how that actually you know involved a bout of depression and how that actually began his spiritual awakening, his awakening journey, and how that evolved to him seeking more from life and questioning the system and he speaks really practically like you know we talk big picture things but you know you'll leave this episode with things that you can action right away we talk about the relationship between authenticity and finding yourself and your creativity and how that opened up the world of poetry for him and how you can do the same to open yourself up and channel whatever comes through and that might be music or that might be the fine arts or that might be creating experiences you know creativity is such a big broad beautiful thing that we are all capable of and we go deep into this and yeah it is a beautiful conversation and i'm very excited for you guys to listen to it so without any further ado let's do Welcome everyone to the Barefoot Hustler podcast where hustlers, creatives and seekers unite and realize we're all one. Where the hustle meets the flow. I'm your friend and host, Sejin Gunnaridis, and my intention is to delinear the labels we always try and squeeze into and give permission for us to live in the spaces between. So whether you're a hustler that could benefit from slowing down and bringing more alignment and purpose to your work, or you're a free spirit that's getting a calling to bring more structure, drive and creation to your life, I'm super grateful you're taking a wee little chunk of your day to grow with me, both for your future self and the collective at large. Together, let's pioneer a new way of living and redefine what it means to live a rich, connected and purposeful life in the 21st century let's all be barefoot hustlers so take off your shoes grab a coffee and let's jump in we live all right hello mr james newen
1: what's up how you doing i'm
0: very grateful that you've stuck me into your busy day yeah Uh, and how i like to start every episode is checking in cool how are you feeling physically mentally emotionally on this fine melbourne day
1: nice all right i'll do a check-in um hmm. so it's a good reminder to slow down yeah like being in work meetings pretty much back to back up until now mm. and so like my mind's very active mm. you know and bless my mind yeah. I love yeah um so i'm very present to that how's my body doing <sighs> feeling really well rested you know i think been traveling a lot over the last month i've been Mm. back and forth uh almost every week and so like it takes its toll on my body for sure and so yeah i've had to be like just really diligent with listening um to my body and so yeah last night was like an earlier night and Mm. i was probably like falling asleep earlier than i would and it's been really intentional about that sort of stuff so my body's feeling rested after quite a busy weekend Mm. um just got back to melbourne Sunday night, Monday morning, something like that. So that's that. Love how in
0: tune you're feeling to all the different parts. Yeah, yeah.
1: And then, oh, what well, are my parts? My little boy is excited to be here. He's yeah. like, woohoo! Yes, he's like, you can't wait. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my other, yeah, my other parts as well. Um, Feeling really excited, you know. You and I haven't had like a proper one-on-one in this sense. It would be yeah. a really good opportunity to, for us both to kind of riff and just spend some time together. Definitely. Um, and then we'll see where it goes. But yeah, I'm excited. Love
0: that. Thank you. What a expansive and all-encompassing check-in. Like that was beautiful. And that's. Yeah. I'm very keen to get into your practices on how you actually do regulate. You know, you're traveling so much. I'm keen later in this conversation to <laughs> yeah. see how you do it, how you do bring yourself back. Totally. Um, but for any listener that hasn't, Met you before yep can you describe in your own words your biggest form of hustle
1: in terms of work life cool interesting all right so um first one is like i would probably like step back from hustle for a big part of my like big part of my younger life i would Mm -hmm. say really subscribe to the hustle culture Mm -hmm. like everything was oh you have to hustle you have to push harder all of these things and so it's been a big part of my life but also Big part of the last two years has been letting go of that as well. The yeah. attachment to the identity around hustle. Because mm. it used to be like, unless I'm hustling, I'm not enough. Like, it's that whole paradigm, right?
0: Yeah. Was that from growing up, family?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, my, both my parents immigrated from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Uh, the backstory there is my dad was one of 50 people in Vietnam to get a scholarship to not serve in the war.
0: Oh, whoa. Wait, one in 50 the entire country? <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so, he's brilliant. <laughs> so, dad is, yeah, dad does An well. He's intelligent man. Um, yeah and so yeah. So dad's like very academic and so like if you think about quite literally for him at that age like i think he he was 19 when he came over here and so he was literally a teenager and so as a teenager his currency for survival was doing well in school Mm -hmm. which got him out of like quite literally he had to perform well get a scholarship study hard so he didn't you know go into a physical environment that would risk his like safety oh my god and so like that has really informed a lot of how we were all raised. And again, this is all retrospectively, I can see it with clarity. Mm. But growing up, it was study really hard, you know, the tongue-in-cheek um joke is like I'm English is second language for me. Maths was my first.
0: Oh my God. It's
1: like that sort <laughs> I of vibe, you, you know? <laughs> so like I'm ESL. Maths is my first language. Oh that's um, freaking good. And so it's like, yeah, we were like I have two older sisters, uh, they're a fair bit older than me. We've been like all studying we remember like our study room i was like four or five when i was first there and like every sunday we'd always like parts of us would be anticipating and a little bit anxious because we're like oh we want to go out and play outside but we had a few hours like yeah. just one-on-one tutoring with dad from like super young age
0: from four years old
1: yeah four or five something yeah. like that i can't remember the yeah. exact date but it was like super young and yeah. so yeah we were always taught like education is is like number one mm-hmm. and that really informs a lot of my life but you know, you do parts work as well. And so you understand like how that impact creates a certain story for a younger level of consciousness for you. So for me as a little boy, it was like, okay, cool. Like dad won't be upset at me if I get this answer right. Right. And so I remember moments as a little boy, dad would write up this like really complicated math equation and then be like, all right, I'm going to go out of the room. You're going to complete it. And I'm going to come back.
0: It's like such a test. It
1: It was like permanent, like always. It felt like that for my little boy.
0: And at that age, that would have been, like, all you want is the approval of
1: your dad. my little boy, like, I I can feel it now. And he was just like, oh, that was his, the part of him that felt anxious was, like, very present all the time. And he didn't have the language for it. Mm -hmm. So then he was just, like, he was just scared. He was like, oh, crap. Like, I'm going to come back. What if I get it wrong? Dad's going to be upset. Because he has memories of getting it wrong and dad being upset. Okay. Right? And so anyway to cut a long story short like that informed a lot of my early childhood into like teenage years into like even you know becoming like a young man and all of that stuff and so it was do well in school which then after high school became do well in life Mm. right and then that filter bubble of what is doing well in life is really informed again by like the materialistic um not hierarchy but materialistic ladder right make more money do well like Because I've entered, quote unquote, the entrepreneurial world, like do well in business, get on like magazines, get on lists, all these things. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, as a little boy, what started as, oh, just get a maths question, right? Then becomes, you know, get onto these rich lists. And so like that has been the story of my younger realms of consciousness. And they associate that with hustle culture, right? So it's like, oh, we have to work. Like, I remember my dad saying, he was literally like, oh, unless you don't play until you finish your homework. He's like, you can play always afterwards though. Yeah. So for my little boy, that's a story that he's like really yeah. imbibed, right? Which is play comes after, right? Play is mm-hmm. conditional. Play is conditional, enjoying yourself, ecstasy, all of that stuff is conditional on you, number one, finishing, but really doing well at this, these certain like rigid um, set tasks, mm-hmm. right? And so even like inner work practices that you're familiar with as well, that I've done even recently, it comes back to, oh, you know, parts of me feel anxious about something happening at work or in my business. And my little boy is really just anxious about not finishing his homework. Yeah. Right? And so Mm -hmm. you can start to see like that those are layers of how they actually then permeate into your current like consciousness and how that applies. Yeah. And so like there can be parts of my little boy that are operating in my adult body where it's like, oh, anxiety, parts of me that feel anxious about, you know, a certain outcome happening at work is really my little boy anxious about, not finishing his homework wow. but it manifests yeah. in the material world as all right parts of me feel anxious about work has nothing to do with work has some has everything to do with what happened you know over 20 years ago mm. you know and so i know i haven't answered your question so i'll kind of round back on that no i was oh.
0: saying so this is your whole life until two years ago so that Pretty was much 18 months ago yeah. yeah
1: yeah and it was like um i had some level of awareness before that around how you know because I was able to achieve certain things in my early twenties. So I had the lived reference of that's not everything. Mm -hmm. And you can feel free to like kind of deep dive, double click anywhere you want. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I had the lived experience of like, oh, just a sense of like dissatisfaction with my life or like unfulfillment despite material success. Mm -hmm. But being able to articulate it, have the verbiage for it has only come recently in the last 18 months through, Mm -hmm. you know, what we do at the peace timeline and Mm -hmm. having like that language and those tools. but yeah
0: yeah before we go into that one so that point where you realize you were you know experiencing success or so-called success as, you know the, the younger the homework vibe um, yeah as you were growing up yeah in that time when you were putting yourself out there you were seeing material return in the entrepreneurial world at that time did you know that you weren't feeling fulfilled or connected
1: no, no. I, I i thought i was living only on top of the back. world yeah like it was looking back, but it got to a certain stage. So I remember my early 20s, like made my first seven figures, like all of that stuff. And wow. I was like, damn, like this is sick. I live a ball lifestyle, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm like traveling around the world. I lived in New York for a little bit. Like this is oh, sick. Shit. I'm not like, not even 25 yet, you know. Actually, so, so what was that success? Um, so yeah, so I made my first, like the business I started made its first seven figures in revenue. Like by the time I was 23.
0: And what was their business? Yeah,
1: so it was an app agency at the time. Okay. Um, yeah, and so I my co-founder had done a lot in the app industry. Uh and so yeah, we ended up making official apps for like Hell's Kitchen, the TV show, uh Kiss FM, Kate Langbrook, who's like an Australian, like radio personality, like all of that stuff. And so uh yeah, that was that happened pretty quick. Like I remember at like 1920, I was in the rooms with like the CEO of Kogan. Again, like anybody who's international, like that's like a big um online merchant, um, yeah, kind of like e-merchant sort Mm. of retailer here. Uh, CEO of car sales founder of car sales like all of that stuff they that was my filter bubble from the age of Mm 1920 right and so I was around that in Australia but then even I got to a stage where I was like the sort of content that I was consuming very much again informed by like Silicon Valley like that sort of lifestyle Mm -hmm. I was like oh the sorts of things that I was seeing in Australia like weren't challenging me enough and I was like no I want to I want to even like push my boundaries even more Mm -hmm. you know and then again like really young that was all like oh material stuff that was like oh they're only making you know 100 million a year now like i want to be bigger than that and all of those things and so it was like so then i challenged myself to go overseas and just like build a whole new network and i was like big philosophy at the time was I always wanted to be on my growth edge, right? And it was always like, what am I doing that puts me on my growth edge? Because if you're not like, at the time, what I really subscribed to was if I wasn't growing, then I wasn't living, you can know? Relate.
0: Hardcore, yeah. You know, there's
1: that, that kind of binary template. Was it
0: more growing in terms of your skills at work or as a, as a you know self-development work or?
1: Yeah, there was a stage in my life where I would identify with being an autodidact, which is like, I just self-teach myself everything. Yeah. And I wanted to be the, like, and again, I can see where this comes from, from like a deep like um i guess it is childhood trauma that's just unresolved that then leads to overcompensation yeah. right and so like as a teenager like never feeling like, really feeling like i fit in at school because i really loved sport so i had a lot of friends that would jockey right mm-hmm. but then i was also very academic you know mm-hmm. and so there was always that dissonance for me mm-hmm. so it was like well where did i fit like i have friends who would study really hard and like we would always be like oh we only got 99 percent. where's the extra one percent like that vibe <laughs> right? And then I'd have friends who are like, oh, let's go to the footy on the weekend and like, let's go out and stuff like that. But then I was like, but my friends who are going to the footy aren't as obsessed with academics. And my friends who are academic aren't as obsessed with like sport. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, where do I fit? And as a teenager, I always felt like I kind of didn't fit in. Mm -hmm. So I created this as a teen, I created this narrative for myself that I was supposed to be different. Mm -hmm. So I would justify being different. And so I'd lean into being different. And so that again, that was one of the big catalysts. And again, retrospectively, I can see this in hindsight. That was one of the big catalysts that I then had to learn all these skills that as an intersection of all the skills that I had, people like, oh, no one can do that. That's so weird. It's like, I got deep into like bodybuilding. I got deep into calisthenics. I learned muscle ups. I did all of those things. And then it was also, I was building like a really big business and then I had entrepreneurial freedom. And then I wanted to be the person who retired by, you know, a certain age. And I was working one hour a day. And it was like, I created a life that people looking out from outside in would be like, oh, this is, whether it was the most baller life or whatever, like I wasn't balling out of control. But I had such an eclectic intersection of skill sets Mm. that people were like, oh, I could never be like that. And as a teen, that was, now I know, for my teen's consciousness, that was unbelievably validating Mm. because it justified him being different.
0: And at the time, did you enjoy being different or was this... Yeah. You liked it. Because
1: I was fully associated with my teen's consciousness. Like, I for sure loved being different. It was the ultimate validation of worth. Because, like, for me, it got to a stage of being different. Like, as a teenager, being different was, like, the worst thing ever. Because it meant, like, ostracism, all these things. Then you reach this tipping point as you kind of get to, like, university. And then, like, being different was, oh, damn, people are drawn to you because you're doing all these different things. It's a unique lifestyle. It's very, like, it's different from everybody else. Mm -hmm. Because by the time you get to uni, the people who are, like, like everybody else, people are like, oh, I've met someone like that before. Yeah, blend in. Yeah, and then when you become the person, people are like, oh, wow, you do this and this and this. I've never met someone like that. Mm-hmm. And for my team, that was the ultimate compliment. Mm-hmm. I've never met someone like you. Mm-hmm. And so he kept leaning into that. He wanted to be the person that no one's ever met before.
0: A really parallel journey. <laughs> you know what, what I mean?
1: Saying, and yeah. so, yeah, so like that for him was to create his own hierarchy that he could be at the top of Mm -hmm. because by creating that hierarchy he justified his own sense of value which was all at the end of the day extrinsic and external anyway
0: okay wow okay you describing your whole journey it's through the lens of someone that can look in hindsight and can extract where the motivation is coming from you know that was from my little boy's desires to want to finish his homework and get the approval or the team to be validated can you one i think i have two big points i would I think would be helpful is to what happened on this ascent up in you know, overseas silicon valley that made you realize that this success wasn't as yeah. thick as you you yeah. hoped but yeah. also i think to explain the language that you're using you know your teens consciousness for your child's consciousness i, I know what you're talking about because we've shared yeah. this modality of like you know it's kind of like internal family systems it's speaking to all the parts of yourself in your own words can you explain Briefly, we only yeah. have you know, yeah, a short of our time. That so people can understand that, yeah. And then also the what happened on your yeah. journey that made you realize and begin this journey inwards. Yeah,
1: for sure. I'll start with the the latter one, so mm-hmm. I'll kind of yep. give yep. context for some of the language we use. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we we both work with uh, like the parts hypothesis coming from the peace timeline, um, and the basis for that really is we are not our emotions; we're just our parts, mm-hmm. and within that as well, we have. A different, let's call it, consciousness, or a different brain, or a different like memories, whatever you want to call it, that are related or associated with different times in our life, right? So when I was a little boy, I experienced certain things. And if you think about inside yourself, having a little girl or a little boy, or if they don't identify with either gender, just having um, a part of you, let's say that's younger, like young you, mm. right? That part of you will have certain memories. Mm. So as a little boy, I remember things. But then things happen to me later in my life when I was a teenager that I remember things. Mm-hmm. So that would, is what we use is in our language is what I would associate with my teen,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Because I was a teenager when I experienced it. And the reason why I bring these things up is if anybody listening is quite literally thinking about like a teenager, imagine they envision or visualize a teenager in front of them, like what their interactions would be with that sort of person, mm-hmm. right? A teenager, and again, you know, generally speaking, a teenager may not have as much reference of the implications of their actions. As a teenager, you might be thinking more about yourself. As a teenager, taking responsibility for things outside yourself is a little overwhelming. It's intimidating. It's not your first preference. You know? Generally speaking, you're thinking about, you know, um, you know, know, I want to go out or socialize or study really hard because that might be something important. But you're not thinking outside in the realm of what happens in five, 10 years or what's the implication of not the person next to me, the three people next to them of something I do.
0: So, yeah. So, these memories that we remember from these differing ages create these belief systems. Correct. Yeah. And then from these belief systems, even if right now with the emotional maturity that we have, we know better, but there's still that memory or that belief system that was created at, you know, when we were five age, or 10, yeah. and that's still drives a lot of our behavior right now subconsciously
1: totally yeah. and the way i'd describe it for everybody listening is if they just pictured themselves as a teenager mm-hmm. and themselves as say a little person like as a toddler or something they're two different people mm-hmm. <laughs> like quite literally like i'm a different person as a teenager as i was when i was 10
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know and so just think about that there are different parts of you that would have different relationships with something right mm-hmm. so imagine you know you're five and someone says your, your parents say to you you can't have ice cream or you can't have dessert Right. As a five-year-old, you experience that really differently as a 15-year-old if somebody said you can't have dessert. As a 15-year-old, you're like, okay, it might make sense. Or you might be like, Why are you telling me what to do? Mm-hmm. Right. As a five-year-old, you're like, oh, I just want dessert. And you yeah. start crying. Yeah. Right. And so it's still you, right? Mm-hmm. But at different ages, your experience with the world, let's say, or the stimulus is different, mm-hmm. informed by your different experiences in your life your different stories what you've worked through right yeah yeah. so that's just the context the language i use so
0: the the parts hypothesis allows us to yeah as you said realize that our emotions are not us but they are a part of us and that we have differing parts and we can personify them and visualize them or we can just you know call them anger whatever that is called yeah and we can experience multiple parts concurrently we're not just angry we can be angry and sad and i think that allows us to regulate or also just understand our emotions more and where our behaviors and actions come from, I think.
1: Yeah. yeah like together. If, yeah. if you think about like the idea of emotional like emotional like being a human, right? Mm. Being a human for us, our experience of it is the more emotional acumen you have, mm. right? Meaning that the more you can be aware and self-aware of different emotions that they're not you, it's mm. like the more you can actually come back to the heart of what being a human yeah. is about, feeling.
0: Your best self,
1: right? Yeah. And so it's it's those it's it's that dance, but wow. that's what I'd say.
0: Yeah, and it's what from you know crazy entrepreneurial yeah, yeah. life. How did you come to also be a facilitator in this um, parts hypothesis? You're a part of the peace timeline, yeah. which is this program or experience that I experienced uh, maybe six seven months ago for the first time. Yeah, and for me, even having done so much internal work, yeah, for me this was transformative. Like really, yeah. really moved the growth that I was doing on myself from my brain, my mind into my body and actually allowed myself to yeah, meet all these different parts of myself that I'd repressed, yeah. but were driving my life. So, and you were actually my, my leader in that little yeah, pod. So, I that was, That's yeah, so you yeah. really played such a big role in this yeah. deep inner journey. Um, and then, but for you, what, what happened that made you
1: yeah. begin this? Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, my journey is, I kind of gave you the headlines, let's say, of like the entrepreneurial success, material success, whatever it was. So it was in my early 20s, I had that success. Then I had something happen in my life where, you know, I essentially had to start again. Um, so, yeah, I had to start a new business off like a few grand, right? And I had my partner coming, like moving to Australia and all these things at the time and a lot of financial stress. Um, and so I had to go through the journey of, oh, I've done it once, can I do it again? Was mm-hmm. it a fluke? Or am I actually built for business? Like, Mm. do I actually really love this as a game? Am I actually good at this? Mm, So, like, the parts of me that didn't feel like enough, my Mr. Impostor, like, all these things. yeah. Yeah, Mr. Self-Doubt, all of those, like, hella strong, right? Mm. And so, I went through that journey and I proved that it wasn't a fluke. I did it again. I built a seven-figure business again, right? And it was in 2020, October 2020. Um, That was – that's when it kind of all hit, you know? And so – From the outside world i had all the things i wanted as a teenager right i had people paying attention to me i was in the papers i was on tv i had a beautiful partner who had a crush on growing up like all of these things right and so i had the life that i thought i wanted and I had a beautiful family still to this day i have a beautiful family they're like the closest people in my life and i had friends as well it's not like i was isolated and alone I know everybody went through their own versions of challenges through COVID, but like for me, what was really um, amplified and spotlighted was just this idea that despite all of the external things, I felt empty or parts of me felt empty. And so, yeah, my proverbial rock bottom is October 2020. It was a Sunday, somewhere like 8 p.m. or something. And I was in our car in the garage, my partner's upstairs. And again, my family's like a half an hour drive from me, right? Mm didn't have to work that much that like in that stage of my life we were working maybe a couple hours a day things like that and that called beyond blue yeah and so it's because for about a month before that i had a lot of like self-harm ideation i had a lot of like fuck, what's the point of all this Like what the fuck's the point of all this you know yeah and so um yeah that was my proverbial rock bottom because for so many parts of me there was so much dissonance of why i was on that call because I was like, why? Everybody wants my life. Like, I'm the person they come to for answers. I'm the person mates call up and be like, oh, what what should I do here? And all these things. I'm the person who gives advice. So why can't I take in? Why don't I have any advice for myself at that time? Because mm. I was like, why do I feel like this? And there was a lot of parts of me that judge myself and all of these things. And yeah, I remember Samantha was on the phone. Uh, and bless her soul, I've never met her. Um, but I remember because I knew... I knew deep down I didn't want to, like, take my own life. But I just didn't want to feel how I felt. Like, I wanted any exit. And she was so unbelievably, like, present with me. And so, like, an unbelievable energy. And that was really the catalyst to what changed a lot for me. Because I was like, oh, no. This can't be the way. I can't try to, like, burn my way out of feeling like this. Uh, that's obviously not the option. I've tried that. It didn't work.
0: I was doesn't say, you know, someone... Who uses their mind so much, you probably would have been like, okay, how do I get myself out of it, but only using your cognition, like your your mind, which is the entire equation.
1: Totally. And so yeah, it was like a it was a pretty crazy journey from a lot of that. But like I remember a coach therapist I was seeing at the time. To this day, I'll never forget what she said to me. I remember coming in, sharing with her, I've been thinking like having thoughts around self-harm, things like that. And she looks me dead straight in the eye and she says lovely older scottish woman and she says welcome home why was like
0: Fuck. like that's the answer is feeling it
1: it's yeah i was like part of me my mom was trying to figure out what she was saying but i could feel her energy wow and she was like welcome home and she wasn't scared she wasn't like oh no we need to fix something she's like she literally says now you're feeling she literally mm-hmm. said that and that really this edge was like the catalyst for my journey. Um, you know, a lot of things culminated around that time, and it kind of led to the point where I was like, "There's this idea that what gets you where you are isn't necessarily what is going to get you where you want to be." Mm. So, my mind helps me get create the life I had, but to get to the next stage of my life, it's not for everyone. But my life was like, oh, it's to get out of my head." Mm. And so, like, the the quote that really personified a lot of my life over the last eighteen months two years has been the longest journey you ever take is the 45 centimeters from your head to your heart wow
0: yeah that's beautiful and i was like damn so it was almost like you being given this definition of success at as a young boy and then you dedicating your heart your soul your your entire life to achieving that multiple times getting taken away and then also doing again for you to be living in this definition of success and realize it's not your definition de- definition of success. Yeah. How empty and hollow it felt. And I guess, as you said, the, the confusion because your entire being, all the parts of you, believed that this would lead to happiness and this would lead you to feeling like you belong and all the deeper needs that we want. Mm. So that I guess I, that would have been incredibly jarring yeah. to find yourself in that position. And so, so you, so it was through this uh, one. Uh, parts hypothesis is Is that how you yeah
1: yeah pretty much and just like just what you said for anybody at home like a book that pretty much encapsulates that exactly is called second mountain by david brooks okay so like the first mountain is the one you climb thinking like it's money family at a certain time like story informed and story conditioned Mm -hmm. by society Mm -hmm. then there's a second mountain which if you're lucky enough to get to the first you realize that's empty. And if you think about two mountains next to each other, you have to go through a valley to mm-hmm. get to the second one. Mm-hmm. So my October twenty twenty was my valley. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is informed by like the collective, right? It's about service, it's about giving back. Like that's where you find true fulfillment.
0: Oh my god!
1: And impressive. so yeah, shout out to uh, that book.
0: That's beautiful. That reminds me. of, um, I'm going to butcher the quote where it's uh, Ramdas, I'm pretty sure, where it's like you have to become somebody to become nobody. Yeah. And then but and that's a beautiful thing, you know. Teenagehood, early adult, we try to step into an identity, you know. Me finding myself in South America, me becoming a yogi, living in Melbourne, entrepreneurial—all these things as well. And I think it's helpful to a certain extent to create this ego, but then realizing how strongly we're gripping at this, how attached we are, we need to let that go. And there's always that valley, like there is that scary void of if I let go of who I am, who the fuck am I? Totally. And but yeah. if we don't go from the first mountain to the second mountain, yeah, we live, we we are stuck. In someone else's defi- de- definition of success, and totally. we're at risk of yeah getting to that getting to that point. Like so, coming out, yeah. Can you like what are you doing now? Like how do you still because you're still working many businesses? Yeah. How do you still do that while still feeling aligned while still bringing
1: purpose? Totally. So yeah, the spark notes of it is the universe kind of delivered me the peace timeline, mm-hmm. which I got really involved in, and through what they do, mm-hmm. changed my life. And now I volunteer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I volunteer all my time there, mm-hmm. you know. So, I'm a facilitator. I volunteer all that stuff because I want to help people who are where I was. Mm-hmm. So, it's become a huge part of my life. Um, coming back into alignment, like, the place from which I was building businesses before was very much like a, a scarcity, not enoughness energy. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I need to go out and prove to my dad. Oh, I need to go pr- prove to people at high school. I need to go prove, 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 mm-hmm. right? And by very definition, to assume if you have to prove something assumes, like, what you're proving isn't true. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I'm trying to prove I'm enough, assumes I'm not enough. Yeah. Right. And so that was the energy I was doing a lot of those things. And like a lot of the inner work, what we do is kind of to lead us back to our intuition, back to our gut, what's our highest alignment? And you know, in a weird way, but it's not at all a weird way. I've come back to the same place from a different energy. Yeah. And so like I'm unbelievably invigorated by what I can do in business. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I kind of have two passions. Like and they both are different different forms so i do a lot of poetry now like that's flowed through me i want to tell stories in poetry and change people through like words because i think that's one of my superpowers mm. and so like
0: so recently only in the past yeah and
1: so yeah only about like last 18 months yeah
0: so how did you come across poetry
1: it just started coming through me like when you, when you speak to a lot of other artists they talk about like having this flow state like consciousness going through them and whether you align with spirituality or not it's more this idea that i don't literally think about what i'm writing it writes through me yeah
0: and like the ideas don't come from you it's given to you from this yeah yeah and and you hear
1: people talk about stuff like that um but in essence it's like oh it just feels very effortless you know to bring it down to something very practical like when i'm writing it's just like it just writes
0: you know Mm. so so i love the idea so when you were able to take away these lays and these pressures and expectations of yourself what arised from your gut from your intuition whatever you relate to higher being was like that's part of your purpose now It's part of your yeah. art, yeah. so it's almost so that's like a way i guess for people to be like okay well i don't know what i want to do i guess step one is to realize what you don't want to do work you know how can you come back to a state of calm and peace in your nervous system and your yeah. body and everything and it will and it not in you have to visualize it magically yeah. that it's going to rise but it will come to you or you will realize it over a certain period of time
1: yeah the way i would say that is uh instead of it coming to you just think about you're just slowly being there with the different parts that are in the way of you forgetting that it's always been there, Mm. right? So for me, Mm. what if poetry was always there? There were just parts in the way of me understanding that. So Mm. if you think about what art is, Mm. like for me, art's an expression of someone's soul or heart or like their most authentic self. Like that's what art is, right? And so what if our authentic self is always there? There's just parts in the way of us experiencing it or meeting it or trusting it, right? So the more inner work we do and it's like this idea and you hear this is where, like, there's only one truth, like, underneath spiritualities, we're all the same. Mm-hmm. And so, this idea that there's a lot of parallels between different modalities saying very similar things. So, another thing that gets talked about is like clearing your channel. Because, mm-hmm. like, what if within your channel, at the very core, the very source consciousness, is this idea that that's your authentic self? Mm-hmm. So, the idea of clearing your channel is being there with the different parts so they can relax and feel like they don't need to protect you. Yeah. And so, your deepest calling, your deepest truth allows itself to re-emerge rather than emerge it's always been there so it has to re-emerge so
0: yeah it's like a de-learning it's a re- remembering not a learning for the first Correct. time how do you remain how do you keep your channel open like what are the practices now you are hustling again but you're <clears throat> meeting with a different energy which actually which i love because i liken that to my journey in self-development and it began from a place of lack you know i'm not good enough you know the whole tony robbins how do i become more efficient and add more to my repertoire and you know grow but it came from that energy of not being good enough and this is again all in hindsight I had no yeah, idea yeah, at the yeah, time totally. whilst now I'm just as, as obsessed in doing the inner work but it's coming from from a place of curiosity or like expansion and if I stop and pause and actually look at myself i'm I'm loving myself right now
1: yeah no nice. I
0: think I think I do right now but nice. I think I yeah I really do and it's more of a matter of yeah curiosity and being pulled to these things rather than like a need to in order to be whole yeah. so that's kind of similar to i guess your yeah. your business um approach but what was the question that i said
1: um, <laughs> yeah I, I don't remember
0: yes oh yeah, yeah how do you keep your channel open yeah sure
1: uh it's just an ongoing thing to be honest mm-hmm. it's like and you're familiar with it given the parts work but like just in general like every day parts come up it's not like there's no parts there mm-hmm. like if i ask now who's there like Part of me that's like, oh, am I saying things that are going to give value to your audience? Mm-hmm. The Mister, like, yeah, am I being vulnerable enough? Like those things mm-hmm. are there, um, and so there's those things, but it's like they're always there, and so it's just like instead of thinking, oh, I need the goal is to clear my channel. Mm-hmm. What if the goal is for you just to meet your parts, full stop. Mm-hmm. It's not what happens after they leave because that wouldn't be about them, right? That would be conditional love, mm-hmm. trying to love them. To try to get somewhere else, wow. and it's like, <clears throat> what if the whole point of this whole thing is our opportunities to meet ourselves? What if that's life? Mm-hmm. What if the whole game of life and game, right? Games are supposed to be fun, mm. so the game of life should be fun, mm. right? So what if the whole game of life is to meet our different parts, not so we can clear our channel? What if the whole game is to meet them and love them? Because what if it was about them, not us?
0: And in other words, feeling the entire the entire spectrum of the human emotional experience
1: yeah or loving yourself because yeah. when you meet them and you love them and you care for them by truly embodying self-love is to love every single part of you that ever comes up because wow. you know at least from my anecdotal experience i haven't got to the point where no parts are there because mm. parts are always there for me but it's more like then what okay parts are always there but people then have choices people have choices parts come up and they want to love them to get somewhere else mm. you know some people don't even get to the love part some people are like, oh. don't want their parts Mm -hmm. go up Mm -hmm. you know and it's like all these things some people will numb their parts so they don't feel them Mm -hmm. all the avoidance all the escapism you know whether it's drugs alcohol you know sex relationships business anything any vices people have is a way to not even feel their parts Mm -hmm. so as we start to let go of those things and it's not for everybody but as those who choose to consciously let go of those things come into alignment then they can say whenever I meet these parts what if that was the point of my life to Mm. meet every part Mm. and then from that place the byproduct of that and you know caveat for everybody listening who's very like mind orientated they'll be like okay cool like well that's the process then that's the Mm. template (laughs) that's you know that's how we get here and it's like no 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 what if that's a byproduct of just being love and like that's the whole idea of embodying love because if you are love then anything that comes up then you have no choice but to love it Yeah. because you are love right and that we can get super meta and all this stuff but like That's been my experience and like to bring it down to something, you know, more practical in the material world, things like that, like the more I've done inner work, the more I have felt conviction and alignment in terms of what I'm doing. So poetry is a big part of my life and so is business. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really excited to change the world through business, you know, because it's like previously I wanted, you know, when I was really young, I wanted to be a billionaire for very different reasons. But now what does it mean to have a billion dollars to deploy in areas that don't have the same access to that capital? Well, that can actually change the world, right? So like I have a lot of conviction in terms of building that. So I think about decades as my timelines, right? Mm. If you think about the units of time as one of the leading indicators of somebody's ability to think long-term, right? So if someone says, well, number one, think long-term. Number two, think at scale, right? Mm. Because if somebody says to you, how much, I need to figure out how much money I can make today. And I didn't like come up with this. Like I've heard it from someone called Alex Homozi. He talks about this idea and he's very focused in business. But for me, my extrapolation is in terms of general life. And talks about this idea of, uh, yeah, if you think, if you hear somebody talking about how much money can I make today versus how much money can I make this week versus how much money can I make this year yeah. versus how much money can I make this decade. So if you think about that, if you hear in a conversation someone saying to you, just visualize it, oh, how much money am I going to make this decade? Very different mindset to someone saying, how much money can I make this week, mm-hmm. right? Because that person in one week is thinking in very small unit of time, doesn't understand the compound and the like the power of consistency compound discipline. Right? So when I start to elongate my time periods and I'm like what can I do in this decade? Right, that's a very different energy because I'm like okay, cool. Like I have to commit to something. Like I just started up Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu again, things like that and it's like you become a black belt in that, you got to it's like 10 years of your life. It's yeah. not 10 months. Yeah. Right? And so it's like what sorts of endeavors do I feel really aligned and it's also fully committed, completely unattached right? Yeah. So I'm fully committed to this, but like to live from a place of like true alignment, if these things change. I have to be okay and unattached to an outcome mm-hmm. to allow them to change. And it's always that fine depth.
0: So this is the change that you've, like how you approach things in life, how you, you've almost taken a step back in a lot of your endeavors. One, you've let go of the, like, you know, needs to end up in a certain way, but also it's kind of broadened your outlook on like the timeline of, of so many of these endeavors. Like how, yeah. how has your, One. What is your definition of purpose? Yeah, no. And how's that changed
1: over the years? Yeah, Uh, I think my definition of purpose. Yeah, well, okay. My definition of purpose right now is about alignment, Mm -hmm. but I'm just checking inside, and I'm like, I think that's always been my definition of purpose, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I just think my understanding of alignment has changed. Mm
0: -hmm. Wow, I love that. And is that and how do you define? success and how would you differentiate purpose and success
1: yeah uh for me now success looks like being on purpose yeah love right and so previously success was something that other people could quantify Mm -hmm. because success used to be a badge that i could wear for other people to tell me how good i was Mm -hmm. right now success is only a metric only ever i can evaluate Mm -hmm. so then it's the whole difference of internal, external, intrinsic, extrinsic. Success used to be extrinsic. People tell me if I've succeeded. Mm. Now, if I'm on purpose, only I can tell you if I've succeeded.
0: Yeah, wow. Because it's depend on your values, on, on your how can you? Alignment. How can
1: I say to you you haven't been successful? Yeah, Because you define what success is.
0: And I guess that's the importance of doing the inner work so you know yourself and you know how to define that for yourself so you can meet that.
1: Because yeah. if you haven't
0: done that, it's like jumping in a car, not knowing... Where the destination is you're just aimlessly driving forever and you don't even you never get there yeah
1: and i think like for me it's you know a real product of conviction and having a center Mm -hmm. like that's what alignment is right Mm -hmm. because you can say to me hey james you like family isn't important to you and i can just sit here and just know that's a lie Mm because family is one of the most important things in my life Mm -hmm. so if somebody says to you like this is a very hyperbolic kind of tongue-in-cheek analogy but if somebody comes up to you and it's like oh sedge you're a i don't know you're a kit kat bar like you're, <laughs> like, you're like what are you talking How'd you know? you're like what are you talking you're crazy yeah, yeah. Like what, what are you actually saying yeah um and you're like no like i'm a person i'm a human and it's just like all of these things if somebody says to you and you have an unshakable truth about something and if if you can just stand in that and someone can say whatever mm-hmm. and it's like okay cool like if someone says to me you know i'm not a good person It's like, I can just sit here and just be like, okay, cool. Like that's their opinion, that's their reflections, that's their projections, all of these things. And that's okay with me Mm -hmm. because I know I am. Because I have complete conviction in how I live my life and things like consciously. And that's why everybody talks about consciousness and things Mm -hmm. like that or conscious living. And all that is is self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. If we throw out jargon, we throw out semantics, come back to the first principles of what are we talking about? Are we actually self-aware of the people we're choosing to be? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is yes, and the answer is that is in alignment with what you feel and your truth is best way to live then it doesn't matter what anybody else says because you're living your truth you're on purpose you're successful
0: yeah wow and so it sounds like you have incredibly strong boundaries where it's like you understand the other person wherever they are on their journey and if they pump you up or if they pull you down that's okay because that's their experience and they're trying the best they can but for you to create how would you say you create boundaries in your work when it you know leaks into your time and you're realizing that your mind's always switched on you're always active how do you stay aligned how do you keep loving your parts how do you keep feeling the feels when in an environment that is freaking fast like i struggle with this hardcore and my the whole point of this podcast is to begin this journey and to question other people on this journey on how do we once we've met these parts and once okay i know that i love to hustle as well and it's coming from a place of curiosity and passion rather than lack but i also love to slow down and run around barefoot and go to doves and all that stuff how do i actually integrate them both in my life rather than categorizing okay summer i'm gonna do and party and be free and in winter i'm gonna put my head down and hustle how do you
1: integrate them both yeah um i think the kind of glib way to say it is to just do it (laughs) and that's maybe not helpful for everybody else but if you kind of like just deconstruct what that means right because like imbued in a lot of the the context of that question is the societal judgment of that it's like oh how do i do this why don't i do it's like what if you just do it mm-hmm. you know? and so it's like because like there's a lot of attachment there to a definition of how it's supposed to be mm-hmm. who says you're supposed to do it in summer not in summer who says you're like you're not supposed to be fast sometimes And like it just all changes i
0: guess what i'm asking for people that live uh work in the system so they're less in yeah. control of the time that they work so to say a lot of nine to five is they can't just turn around and be like hey i actually only want to work two days a week yeah or like, you know, i can i want to like unless you have the financial freedom or the freedom around your timetable it's almost like an all or nothing yeah so you know i came from a law background i don't know how much uh control they have over yeah. how much they have to show up and if they want to see some sort of success yeah. Yeah. in that field they have to, you know, 14 hour days
1: are normal. Totally. So
0: what would you say for people in that position? Yeah, you know, what's a piece of advice you can offer them?
1: <clears throat> yeah, I think so. On my journey, I've come from a place of like previously when i people have asked me this question, it's been quite a direct response. Um, so I'll give you that direct response that I have from yeah, what I think is the solution to all of that. Oh yeah. But then also like within that, then I'll give people something a little bit more practical, Absolutely. right? Because it can be jarring sometimes. But Long story short, I would say, well, you're not living in alignment. Mm. So it's like, it's just straight up, right? If they're like, oh, well, I want to do this and I also want to do this. It's like, great. So why aren't you doing it? Mm. Because then they'll come up with their own stories of why they're not doing it, Mm. right? And that's their own rationalization of why they're, you know, quote unquote, suffering or living a life they don't want. Mm. Because that's scary. That's fucking scary to leave your job. That's fucking scary to go start something you have no idea how to start a bit. That's fucking scary. I'm not saying people with responsibilities just go quit your job if you have families and stuff like that. But Mm. I'm saying like, there is, there is a consequence of the time and the sequencing of your level of consciousness. Let me explain that. So if you become more conscious of your decisions early in your life, or you're making decisions that will have branches, if you think about like the metaverse idea of branches, but will have repercussions and second, third order effects that are drastically fucking different. Mm. Like if I decided to start my own business now versus when I was 17, mm. my life is fucking different different Mm -hmm. right because of what i chose at 17 my life changes Mm -hmm. and so what people then get into it's like well i'm 30 i'm this i'm this oh but yeah you couldn't you like you're in a different position because you started a business earlier it's like yeah but i also also gave up 10 years of my life doing that so it's like all right instead of being a victim it's like what's practical solutions Mm -hmm. right so i think that's number one and like that's why like i've softened over the years as well because i just have a lot more empathy because it's like I was gifted with the level of self awareness that allowed me to choose something more in my alignment when I was earlier, right? But that's a not...
0: gifted, also gifted the experience that made you get it. You weren't gifted it from birth.
1: Yeah, so yeah. Like
0: you, I, so no, you almost hustled for yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I was gifted the awareness, yes. right? But then it's my choice of what I do with the awareness, mm-hmm. right? And so the last ten years, you know, I, I may have hustled, quote unquote, mm-hmm. right? But it's like the last ten years, I've like another line that I really loved growing up. This is very much in the material world idea, but it's like, oh, figure out what the price of success is and pay it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And not a lot of people are willing to pay the price of success because yeah. they're like, oh, but I want to build. I want to be like, like I want to make this huge business. I want to make all this money. If I also want to go out partying, I want to do this. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, great, choose.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, uh, Is that really your highest alignment? Because if it's not, that's okay. There's no judgment. Mm-hmm. But it's just like how much integrity are people how much integrity do people have with their word? right it's
0: difficult because that that requires them to step into the responsibility of if you're living a life that you're not proud of it's because of all your choices and you can't blame you can't create any excuses it's all on you and i feel like i mean i think what you're saying is incredibly true where it's like we all have the option or the potential to do it and it's okay if we sit in the fear because to say we're 30 and we're living this job and we might have kids or mortgages or whatever there's a lot riding on the life that you've chosen up until then and a lot of people i get a lot of oh you know it'd be easy if i had your job or if i lived in a van i'm like i I, i'm right now i'm not making much money and that's a sacrifice i'm making to fully live in this is the most aligned and in purpose i've ever felt but that comes with so many sacrifices but that's okay because for the past five years especially in the last year i've become comfortable in the discomfort yeah and i feel like I really like your analogy before where it's like, how much can money can you make this week versus 10 years? Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, well, I can't make a business now. I can't jump in a van now. For me, it started many 100%. years ago. So yeah. it's like, okay, you also don't have to jump out of your job. Can you begin learning this skill? Or like, you know, even if you don't know what you want to do, begin with what you don't want to do. Okay, and how do you begin to facilitate, uh, to, I guess, create, or oh, no, step into these skills and these traits and these characteristics that you look up to but we've just began many years ago totally. but when i started this journey up yeah i was like i really thought i was gonna be pt for my whole life i had no yeah, idea yeah, 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 yeah. and it's you never know the whole journey but i know that enough i have enough clarity for the next step yeah and i'm just trusting that that's enough
1: totally like i think the practical steps for anybody who's like oh, i want to do this i want to find my purpose and all this stuff it's just like just understand number one, patience and time and all this stuff, but it's just understand trade offs. Like when people really understand trade offs, then their life will be a hell of a lot easier because it's like, and you know, my life isn't perfect either. Like I have tons of things I'm working through. I always, like I often have parts and I'm working through my parts all the time. You know, I cry often and that's a beautiful cathartic like yeah. process for me, you know? Yeah. And so, like, I just want to name that for everybody who's listening to this and like don't get caught in the illusion of like, what we're presenting as our lives is a perfect life because this is literally, it's a micro snapshot, Mm -hmm. you know, our conversation about 10 years of our lives that have been like literally littered with ups and downs. But that is the texture of life, right? What is downs if there is no ups? Mm
0: -hmm. You know, what is
1: ups if there's no downs? So um, there's that. But anyway, practically speaking, if you understand trade-offs, then you understand, okay, well, if I do want to find, you know, a purpose or something I enjoy more than what I'm doing now, what am I willing to give up? Mm -hmm. If the answer is nothing, then keep living the same life Mm -hmm. because that's the whole thing of price. Everybody wants something. No one wants that. Number one, look at the price tag number two, actually pay it, right? And think about it is, you know, if it's $2 million, well, you can't pay that straight away, right? So you just have to slowly pay it down, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe you can pay $100 now, $50 now. You can pay $5 now. Maybe that $5 actually converts to, you know, 10 minutes of meditating or 10 minutes of not watching Netflix or not scrolling on social and then starting to upskill on something. Mm -hmm. And so like I would encourage people to look that way Mm -hmm. because it's like if you can spend that time experimenting, exploring, well, that's what you really want to find. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing and like the peace of mind I'll kind of give to people um, on this bit and then to like close this bit is just this idea of the reason why what your purpose is seems to oscillate a lot, right? For a lot of people, number one, your gut can change. Mm -hmm. Number two is because, if you literally imagine a little child here and a teenager here and yourself here, right? And if somebody asked the group, what do you want to do? The little <laughs> kid's like, I want to do this, right? And then teenagers are say, oh, I want to do this. Yeah. And then you'll be like, I want to do this. Yeah. problem, Like not the problem, but the situation for most people is they don't know they're not those parts. Mm. So what comes through them, they think is them, right? Mm. So the kid might say, um, I want to be a professional tennis player. As a little boy, I wanted to be a pro tennis player. And then as a teenager I might say hey i want to be uh, a banker right and then for me it's like oh i want to create business for a purpose right so if i was listening to those three from the outside it might seem like i would have three different ambitions and goals in my life right mm-hmm. and it's hyperbolic as an example but it's in essence that mm-hmm. and so when people are like oh but what i want to do keeps changing and all that stuff it's like instead of thinking outside when you search you will find mm-hmm. right and so there's this idea of, and I'm going to butcher the quote too, but you're seeking for something, you're going to find that. But by finding that, you narrow your focus and then don't see everything else there that you could discover. Right. So instead of seeking, look to explore. Right. Because if you explore, you can discover. If you seek, you will find. Right. And so, so what's
0: the difference between seek and discover?
1: Well, okay. So if you seek, you're looking for something. Yeah. Oh, I need to find this purpose. It's going to be oh, this. Wow, it's going wow, to be wow, this. It's going to be this. I'm going to find mm. something right? Mm-hmm. If you explore, you have no idea what you're going to find. So you're going to discover something, mm-hmm. right? Or let's say if you explore, you might remember.
0: Mm-hmm. So what would that look like for someone to say, okay, I'm in a job that I don't like. I am I get what you're saying. I don't want to seek and just ask into the void, what is my purpose? How do I begin the journey of discovering?
1: Yep. So I would say, think about trade-offs mm-hmm. and then Just go try a bunch of different yeah just try straight up one
0: step straight up is that i love that i feel like um something i want to say with trade-offs is like something that might be relatable to a lot of people and there's when i was a pt for seven eight years everyone you know was like i want a six pack i'll how much money i can how many sessions this week do i need to do and 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 you really feel that they want that or whether it's a six pack or big legs or whoever i'm talking to they'll have their own version but then on a friday night they will not give up the pizza they will still want to go go out on a saturday they don't see like just say at times i've been in that position and Like oh, i want your body at times but they don't know the sacrifice that i have to Hell make yeah. Yeah. i used to have to take little tupperware of food to Hell parties yeah. and not drink and say no to social socializing that's why now i feel like i've come to the middle point because for me you almost need to touch that point to realize the sacrifices aren't worth it in for yeah. me in that yeah. situation yeah. And, but it's so easy to pull out to see this pretty version of whatever goal yeah. you want and to not realize the trade offs. I do feel like that is such a beautiful factor that we all need to consider because, totally. you know, whether you want to make money, find your purpose, have a six pack, it comes, it's a whole bag of goodies. And a lot of those goodies aren't goodies. Oh, yeah. So it's a, it's a choice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's Diop. beautiful.
1: I'd love to perform a poem about purpose, if you call me that.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, like, I want to see you and your full creativity. Yeah. Or what's happened since you've taken off the layers. So please. Right, sick.
1: Um, sick. Sweet.
0: Oh, my God. My brain's buzzing.
1: All right. <laughs> so let's do this.
0: When did you write this? Can we have some context? Yeah,
1: totally. So this is actually have the time. Uh, the date stamped here so this was april 5th 2021 okay so this is when i started doing a lot more of the inner work i started like it was that idea like my channel started clearing right so i literally woke up one morning this i i wrote this in like 40 minutes or something Wow. And i was like all right cool it's done and you for know? anyone
0: that can't see because we're listening he has a giant smile on his face he <laughs> yeah see, this
1: is your it's, it's pretty wild <laughs> like at the end i remember reading about me like did i write this wow. like who wrote this got this and so um wow
0: okay full flow I'm excited yeah so
1: this was full flow and it was just this idea of like um because I started to understand my purpose mm-hmm. and I was like oh and no, I've been searching for my purpose this whole time like mm-hmm. that orientated a lot of my journey in a lot mm-hmm. of seasons I went through what's my purpose what's my purpose what's my purpose so we're about to find out hit us James hit all us. right so this is called wear out Thou purpose. Purpose, purpose, purpose. Where out, thou purpose? That question makes a part of us confused. The part of us that we abuse, use and accuse doesn't have direction. But what if that confusion was an illusion that creates a false conclusion that we don't know where we're going? What if our compass has always said east, keep going east, but the world says west and because we think it knows best, we forget the rest and fail the test of listening to ourselves? So when we hear the question, what is our purpose? We hear confusion on the surface and silence underneath. But again, what if what we hear is only fear and to hear truth, we need to grit our teeth and say to the world, no, thank you. I must go east. It's only then that our confusion and delusion can begin to cease. Because what if going west was going outward and leading us astray and going east was going inward and showing us the way? If that was true, then we'll be due a thank you to ourselves. Because following our compass will lead us back home. A place we don't need to ask questions, a place we can so freely roam. Because what if the question of what is our purpose was always a red herring? And instead of tearing, comparing, and declaring that we need an answer, we chose to look past it. We chose to search instead of seek. And what we might find is that we're tall, light, and strong, not meek, bleak, or weak. What if the warmth for which we so deeply yearn is something that burns so stern inside that we don't need to discern where it truly comes from? Because it gently sings and rings things that sound so familiar. So familiar because we've always heard it, but never worded it. It's always been there. We've just always been too scared to listen. So as a result, it's missed then. What if we, what we've been fighting this internal war for has been something that can never be won and can only be found? If that's the case, we would be walking on a profound ground where all around is only sound that says one thing. Purpose, purpose, purpose. Here art, no purpose.
0: Fuck me dead, man. Wow, can I give you a hug? That that feels (laughs) like I I need to whoa I mean I guess because like I'm entering poetry even just in consuming it and I feel like it for me why I like purpose it, it it allows listeners to feel parts of us that we didn't even know knew existed so it's almost like a it alludes to us this feeling that is that wasn't known. Like you just saying that, I feel like I was riding that journey and it encapsulates so much. I feel like I need to slow that down and re listen to that like 10 times as well. yeah But yeah, as you said, like, you know, we East, West, like, wow, that's my, yeah, I need to process it. But I feel like to jump on that, to really implore listeners to wherever they are on this journey that we know deep down and we may not believe that, but to, I guess the biggest driver in this right now that I can think of is to trust and that we know it all and it's okay if we feel the doubt or the confusion or the desire to go one way because it just doesn't make sense to do anything but that just trust that little part of you that might feel hopeful for something else or feel doubt for what life that they're living, whatever that might mean, and just to take the first step. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fuck man, that was sick. Dope. Oh my god, what a way to wrap that up. And again, thank you for. I fact like there was so much <laughs> we can take from that. Yes. Yeah, and sick. I think I'm slowing that down to zero point eight percent, so I can <laughs> take that all in. Uh, and again, it's so nice to meet someone that is both feet on the ground, still living in the hustle—not in that the, the negative connotation word of hustle—but still producing and and pay, playing a part in the society. Yeah. But from such a wholesome, authentic, true self, and with creativity just oozing in between all of that, I Hell guess yeah. you're, you're living it. I love it.
1: Hell yeah. yeah! Well, thanks so much for having me. This is yeah. a ton of fun.
0: And where can people, you know, yeah, uh, learn sick. more about
1: you? Uh, you can head to JQN Legit. Um, so i'm jqn legit on all socials Mm -hmm. so we'll start dropping more like poetry around just like general life we've just been playing with some stuff just for fun yeah yeah, that will take a more serious approach over the you know coming months and stuff before the end of the year
0: anything exciting listeners can
1: uh yeah we're filming a doco series on like portrait Mm -hmm. poetry and so like humans behind success so people get painted in a visual portrait and i paint people in poems so um, well, collaborating with someone else who's painting. No, 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 I, I paint people in poems. So I write oh. a poem about people. So. <laughs>
0: wow, okay. And yeah. when, is this a year away? Yeah,
1: me? like just yeah. follow JQN Legit. You can Love find that. us Um. Wow. all that stuff. And you can just look me up on LinkedIn if you want to nerd out on any business stuff.
0: Amazing, thank you again. I yeah. you get back to your day. And yeah, thanks so yeah, much. Edge,
1: thanks so much for having me. Woo! Done.
0: Okay, friends, that is it for this episode. If you got inspired by something, please don't let this be yet another podcast you listen to and forget. Instead, try and focus on the biggest takeaway you got and actually apply it to your life by making a change from today. If you think someone in your life can also get value from it, please share this episode with others. The more that join this journey, the better the world will be. Don't forget to like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And finally, if you'd like to connect, jump on my Instagram and shoot me a message. All the links will be in the show notes. Other than that, that's it from me today, and I'll catch you next time.